Welcome to Be Innovative, the strategic foresight podcast that spotlights deep tech insights and open innovation. We're bringing in changemakers that are behind some groundbreaking ideas and inventions to share their insights, challenges, and strategies as we break down the barriers that hold back progress. I'm Shorya. I'm Gladys. And today we have with us Florence. Now, Florence is actually the founder and director of Cosmode Health. And Florence is a big pharma executive turned startup evangelist. And her latest love, Cosmode Health, um, valorizes food processing waste into functional ingredients for human nutrition and functional materials for 3D scaffold printing. Now, that's a lot of big words, a lot of them maybe we don't understand. <laughs> so many questions yeah. already. So maybe we'll let Florence, yourself, to share with us who you are and also what Cosmode Health does. Okay, who am I? Good question. <laughs> I think most people know me professionally, but uh, privately, of course, I'm a wife, a mother Aww. of three. Now, let's say my current love is Cosmode Health because I'm the co-founder of it, so I'm the mother. So maybe mother of four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Cosmode Health is essentially a NUS Food Science Technology spin-off. Mm-hmm. Most people think that it is another company. It is not. We are incorporated with one mission to expand access to health from nature. Mm-hmm. And so repurposing food processing waste is one means of uh, expanding access to health from nature, making it affordable mm. to the mass markets. So we repurpose food processing waste, like you say, into functional ingredients for human nutrition and into functional materials for biomedical application. Um, it is a bit complicated. Sometimes people think that uh, we don't know what we are doing. Oh. You know, <laughs> we do know. Great. So thanks for that introduction, Florence. So for all of our audience in today's episode, we're going to explore the valorization of food processing waste and how Cosmode Health is enabling the healthier food options in the future. So first things first, uh, Florence, why is the name Cosmode Health and where did it all really start for you? Okay, so Cosmode Health, what we want to do is to expand access and enable access to health from nature. So Cosmode is universe and DE is from... So it's health from the universe. Oh. Wow. Cosmo Health came about because of NUS Enterprise. I can call it matchmaking <laughs> because I'm a sign mentor to my uh, co-founder, Prof. Huang Dezian of oh. NUS okay. Science Technology uh, because he has demonstrated that he can extract bioactives from plants, from botanicals mm-hmm. in a very sustainable, halal-certifiable, cost-effective way. And so his dream was, okay, he... He, since I validated it in the extraction of cranberry parenthocyanidin, which is a bioactive mm. uh, that is against UTI, he mm. wants to create and sell cranberry parenthocyanidin supplements. Mm. This is a difficult business model because it's all the way from extraction to manufacturing to distribution marketing. So unless you have deep pockets or like say a rich godfather, exactly. this is not a viable business model. Okay, let's do quality plant extraction, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to provide the materials. Because at, at, at the point, I think even now, quality health ingredients are very expensive. Yeah. Really, sure. uh, not, not within the affordability of the mass market. Mm-hmm. And since he has the technology to do it in a more efficient manner, it's just a matter of scaling up then he should be able to do it more effectively. Um, but we have to pivot because we soon mm-hmm. realised that supplement companies aren't that interested in quality. Oh, They're oh, more okay. interested in cost. 
cost and the quantity price. just produced the more. Price. Skin supplements cheap. They need that very very low cost okay. ingredients, and oh. sometimes the quality isn't as. Oh my goodness! Telling <laughs> <laughs> the industry secrets. Okay. Something very offensive. But I okay. think most people would know if you know how expensive it is to extract, for example, a cranberry protocyanidine mm. that it involves batch by batch extraction, column chromatography. The cost of it is very high because the amount of the bioactive in a plant is very, very low. low. Very low. We're talking about less than zero point zero something percent. If you see a bottle of supplements and mm. they say that this is pure and this is the amount, but yet the price point is ten dollars, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or even twenty dollars, <laughs> yeah. you know, something is not right. Wrong. Okay. Yes, in the process because we were offering contract services, there were food companies that have waste, and they come to us and they were asking us questions like, okay, I've got this waste, what can we do with it? Or mm. some will come to us and say that, okay, I'm interested in the protein or I'm interested in the fiber in this waste. So that was in a way, it's like the aha moment for mm-hmm. me. It's like, uh, oh, I didn't realize that this waste has more protein and fiber than the whole unspent grains. Okay. So why wow. don't we take it out? That is when we started playing with the extraction from waste streams. Mm. One of the first products that you have is Noodles from spent barley grains. Yes. So how did you come to that filtering and decide decision to like, okay, we'll use spent barley grains from all these different waste streams that we have and we will choose to produce noodles? Singapore has two main sources of waste stream, food processing mm. waste, spent barley grains and wheat bran. Mm. So when we are talking about repurposing of food processing waste, of course you have to make use of what you have in your backyard, right? <laughs> I cannot be going <laughs> so, to Indonesia yeah. and Malaysia. Yeah. So that's why we, we use spent barley grains, since that's okay. the top waste streams. And um, we did some work. So mm. we have some collaborations with Nestle. We did some work for them. And then I realized that, wow, the protein content is so high. We are able to extract yes. protein like as high as 40%. But <laughs> at, at that point, they weren't very interested in the protein. Okay. You, okay. you know. Then that's where I felt that, okay, since we have protein fiber, um, why don't we formulate functional food? Okay, because we are cosmic health anyway. And... There's huge issue in Asia, okay, with aging population, underconsumption of protein fiber. Diabetes is another big problem in Asia. So we set ourselves a challenge of, okay, let's formulate functional for the aging and diabetes population. That's our target market. Yes. Mm. And we formulated a range of prototypes. That we had. The first one which we have is an Asian-flavored uh, protein beta-glucan drink for the elderly. What is this Asian flavor? That sounds interesting. Yeah. If you have elderly at home, yeah. you would know that most of the time when they reach a certain age or if they have some health issue, they'll be prescribed whey-based uh, protein yes. drink. Oh, yes. yes. I, I don't want to mention the brand. I think yeah. most of us know. Mm. <laughs> yes. And at that point, my, my late mother-in-law was consuming it and it's mm. so difficult to get her to drink it because it's chocolate, it's vanilla. Very sweet. Yeah. Yes. And it's not the type of flavours which they like. It's yeah. not yeah. Asian. Exactly. And, and I was a bit frustrated too because at a certain age, why must they change their, what they have to consume? Yeah. You, you know? So that's why I say, okay, let's do an Asian flavour. So we have yam flavor, red bean flavor, oh, you know, mango flavor, nice. etc. So we formulated that prototype, but we are actually a B two B company, mm-hmm. right? Companies aren't interested, okay, in bringing it out. We also cannot bring it out ourselves. 
because that market is a dominated market. And I know mm-hmm. that even it, though it's a very good product, but the market condition does not allow me to bring it out because I don't have the marketing spend mm-hmm. of the okay. big company. Uh, all they have to do is to drop a, a, a little bit of, of the marketing budget and I'll be drowned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so despite the fact that we have other functional food prototypes, so okay, we didn't bring it out into the market. The mm-hmm. thing changed when we have wow noodle. Okay. Because when we have wow noodle, okay, it is the world's only functional food that has zero glycemic response. Oh. And the good thing is, noodle is a very fragmented market. There oh, yeah. isn't a oh, yes. big player who can <gasps> drop a bit of exactly. the marketing money on me. <laughs> so when we, as a B2B player, we approach Noodle House and we want to encourage them to buy the premix from us so that they can manufacture. Because it's cheaper for them to manufacture than for us to manufacture, mm-hmm. right? Because they already have uh, the, the factory, the, the machines, machines and, and everything mm-hmm. else. Unfortunately, I think most of the food companies in Singapore, they are very traditional. They are used to food for sustenance or mm-hmm. even now maybe food for fun and health, but not, not, not so much of functional food. So mm-hmm. in a way, I say WOW is a brand built out of adversity mm-hmm. because when people don't believe in us, but it is such a unique product and I felt that, okay, we have a chance because there's no big market player. So let's produce it ourselves. So that's how we came up with the WOW brand called W0W. W0W. Yeah, mm. zero glycemic response, zero waste mm. product. And we just do our online sales. So the, I mean, till now we don't have marketing budget. Mm-hmm. Okay, we didn't spend money on marketing, but it's just through word of mouth. And we are able to demonstrate market traction that there's yeah. actually people who are willing to pay for it because you either pay for food, it's medicine or medicine. Yeah, and the product speaks for itself, right? Yes. The functional, you're saying it's the only functional food in the world that has zero glycemic response. That's a huge deal. But another question that comes to my mind is food waste has been there since ever and it's been growing exponentially year after year. Why is it that not more people are talking or thinking of using food waste as functional ingredients to make other kinds of foods? Is there a major barrier in that way or why is it not happening as much? Sometimes the problem is um, innovation. Everybody wants innovation. Mm-hmm. So they, they look for things that is very wow. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at food waste is not that wow. I see. Right. <laughs> and I, I think the challenge is also because the uh, policy in place has always been to uh, avoid dumping into the landfill. So there is this incentive, okay, for dumping the landfill because they as uh, like NEA, okay, as mm. a very high fee for dumping. So food companies in Singapore, for example, they are already upcycling. So hey, mm. I'm not damaging the planet. I'm already upcycling, yeah. you know. <laughs> so what's the big deal? And also because uh, at that point, I think food uh, security is not so much of an issue. Mm-hmm. And so people don't go back to the basic and think about think about it. Yeah. But if you just take a step backwards and then you see, okay, here we are extracting protein and from soy, from pea, whole whole grains that have mm-hmm. less protein and soy. Then over here you have waste streams, okay, that have more than double the protein. Okay, spent barley grains has more than 20%. But if you talk about oil meal, like uh, peanut oil meal, sesame oil, oil meal, mm-hmm. all this, mm-hmm. they have 50% of protein. Mm. Wow. 
That's a lot. That's a lot. So it, it, it's okay. A bit oxymoron, right? <laughs> <laughs> Extracting from whole grains and you're dumping this, okay, or at best feeding it to to the animals. So yeah. sometimes I think that's that's what we want to do. We basically want to push the agenda of change. Mm-hmm. That needs to be a mindset change. Mm-hmm. Don't be happy with upcycling. I mm-hmm. mean, upcycling is good. You're not. Of course. Damaging the earth. But more can be done. Go one step further. Yes, exactly. So increasingly, I think now companies are looking at Mm. uh, upcycling into food, Mm -hmm. which which is good, right? Because this is for human. But what about maximizing the value? And what is higher value than human health Mm -hmm. and life? So Mm. that's why we push ourselves to say that, okay, we go for functional food. Food is medicine category. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking about policies and, and talking about uh, food security. There's also like a 30 by 30 plan that Singapore is trying to push the agenda for. Do you think with with different products that you're pushing out, like wow noodle and I think greens also are in your pipeline, right? Do you think this is something that you're also supporting? It's definitely something which I'm pushing very hard. Okay. I'm, I mean, the Singapore's food story has invested quite a lot of money. Mm. Okay, in uh, technology, okay, cell-based meat, alternate yes. protein, etc. But sometimes I just wonder, let's talk about food security. Why are we talking about protein? Isn't food security about staple food? Mm-hmm. All right. The whole my healthy plate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think one of the challenges because the whole world is talking about alternate mm. protein. Mm. Oh, yes. And so we are also echoing that. But like yeah. I say, I'm and I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to say, let's take a step backwards. Let's go back to basic. Let's just make better use of what we have. Food processing waste has little value, but we can maximize the value. We did a simple calculation. Okay, if we use all the seventy five thousand tons of food, uh, spent barley Bally grains in Singapore, seventy five thousand tons. Yes. Which wow. is very little in the whole scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's per year, right? Per year. Okay. Globally, we're talking about 38 million. Oh, wow. So what we have is nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's very little. But just by using that, we can feed 7% of the population with wow noodle. Two meals of staple food, okay, that has protein, fiber, and that does not contribute to diabetes. That's huge. And just that's in huge. Asia, I can imagine the amount of people that will benefit from that. Exactly. Um, something that's tasty for the diabetic people. They're so, you know, they, they've stopped for eating so much stuff. And since noodles is a very fundamental diet in Asian cuisine, it can really change how they feel Ex- about food. Exactly. I mean, currently, a lot of the diabetes, they cannot eat food which they like because exactly. their staple food is from rice and noodles and they are mm. all loaded with carbs. Mm-hmm. So unless you don't take staple food, which there are people who, okay, I don't take rice and noodles, I just take meat, vegetables, right? But not many people can afford that. Exactly. Correct? So if I can remove the issue of staple food contributing to diabetes, okay, taking away the glycemic response, then they can now enjoy their food with their curry, with their laksa. You can even end it with durian or chocolate cake, <laughs> oh. you know. Then the and whole meal yeah. as a whole, you know, Still. is meat GI. More freedom to eat what yeah, you want. That's exactly the reason why we go for zero. Because there are now uh. food mm-hmm. that lowers the Lower. GI to meat GI. But if you eat it with laksa curry and you end with a chocolate cake, then I guarantee you there's a spike. 
Okay. <laughs> maybe at this point we should clarify. So because I've heard I GR and GI, maybe we should clarify yeah. at this point. What is the difference from the profession? And what it is, yeah. right? Exactly. What because a lot GI of people don't was... know. They're like, okay, this is good for diabetes, not good for diabetes. Why? What is the fundamental thing that even Cosmode Health is changing? Okay. So GI measures the blood sugar response to mm. carbohydrates. Mm. And I think GI <clears throat> is, is the key thing which most people know because our food around us is full of cups. Yes. So there's this measurement, okay, of how does your blood sugar respond after you eat the cups? Mm. Because there's a lot of food that lowers the GI. Mm. But glycemic response is the response of food to the, f- no, a of response of blood to oh. the food. Okay. Oh, I see. So glycemic index is the scale against which food is sort of, it's a response to cups. Response to cups. Yes. Res- okay. Yeah. GR is a response to the food. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's like so, a subset. So it's more important to have zero glycemic response oh. for diabetic people as a, as a judgment of the kind of food they should eat rather than looking for zero G- GI, I is it? I, I wouldn't say so. I, I, I think that there's no category of zero GI, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a low GI or mid GI, it's good because the problem with diabetes is the spike. Mm-hmm. Right. So what else, even though we need GI, you, you have a response, mm-hmm. but it is smooth. Right. Mm-hmm. So low is very smooth. Mid is higher, but good. there's no sudden spike. Because it is a spike that damages your end organ. Okay. That is the concern. But if you have no response, that is optimal. So in, in our case, we did a study to show that uh, after 30 minutes, we are talking about a 0.3 micromobit and then everything goes back to baseline. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's all. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. So from that perspective, what is there another food product that you're looking to get into? Rice, maybe? Is that something yes, that's next? Yes. That's the most exciting, I would say. Okay, simply because... okay. In Asia, our staple food is rice mm. and noodle. Yes. Rice is still the dominant, especially mm. amongst the elderly. If we can take away the, the glycemic response from the rice, essentially the staple food is not an issue at all. At all. They can yeah. eat literally what they've been eating all their lives. They can keep on eating that they without anybody. They can keep anybody. on eating, yeah, and they can eat it without having to compromise any other food choice. Because uh, I'm curious to know, like, how are we marketing to the elderly? Uh, is like telling them about GI and GR really something that is winning them over? Because I'm a hawker girl. <laughs> I am always at the hawker center. Um, and I say it's quite old. So every time I would maybe just sit there, we share the table with the old uncle, auntie, right? They always share with me. They could be traveling, like taking a 30 minutes bus just to come here and eat that salty Hokkien meat, <laughs> that roasted chicken rice. So... I'm really wondering how do we entice them to want to make this switch and say like, yeah, this noodle is healthier for you. But for them, it's like, um, you know, they, it's a hassle for them to cook at home, especially for one person. Challenging. Challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Usually is it like going through their families where they cook there, they get introduced to the product? Or... Yes, yes. Okay. I would say that our target audience is the elderly. Mm. But the people who purchase would be their caregiver. Mm. Because their caregiver are actually the one who is more concerned. Okay. Yeah, yeah, The the elderly can't be bothered. (laughs) To them it's joy. And they feel like, 
Yeah, it's like, my time is yeah. about up. I'll just go and have my well cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so that, like my late, late mother is, is the yeah. same, you know, she'll complain, you know, at this age, if we can't eat, then what are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my nana is always having ice cream by the top because she's like, done. She's done. I've lived enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly the reason why we want to take away the glycine response from okay. your staple food so that their health can be maintained mm. but yet they don't sacrifice the joy of eating. Because mm-hmm. mm. currently look at how diabetes is being managed. I, I, I was an extra pusher so I'm very familiar. Extra pusher? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to call pharmacy. Uh, uh, drug pusher. Uh, should drug I say pusher. I'm a licensed drug pusher? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> this one is important because people start ringing you up after this podcast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So as an extra pusher, we sell insulin, we, we have oral anti-diabetic mm. drugs. Mm. So we know that prescription is okay, prescribe drugs and don't eat your all this food. Da, da, yeah. da, 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 da. And this is a failing yeah. formula. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm, we're eating drugs, so exactly. we can just so, eat a little bit. And most more of the this. time the compliance rates to drugs is very low. Sixty yes. percent yeah. at best. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> and you ask me to stop eating my favorite food, yeah. and that's why diabetes is an mm. issue. It continues yeah. to be an issue. So we must think a way of enabling them to eat their medicine without realizing that they are eating that medicine. And there's no better way to do it than with their staple food. Exactly. Because they eat their rice and noodles every day anyway, mm-hmm. right? They won't even realize that I'm eating medicine. And mm. yet, this is delicious medicine. <laughs> so now you're talking about spent barley grains being used as weight. Are there any other sources that you've been considering? Probably in the future, do you see other kinds of food waste that can be used to make functional ingredients? Yeah, yeah. So like I say, the second biggest waste stream in Singapore is wheat bran. It's a waste stream of flour meal. Flour mm. meal. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, okay, the amount of it is much higher than spent barley grains, even though spent barley grains is a top waste stream. So spent barley grains is 75,000 tons. Mm. We burn 34,000 tons. But spent barley grains, 70% of it is water. Oh. oh. So the net net is such that wheat bran is higher. More yes. possibilities. Yeah. So we have done a calculation. Because now we are using wheat bran to make rice. My target is high protein, high fiber, zero glycemic response. In fact, people have eaten it before. They say it tasted mm. like rice, but because it's very tedious. You can you imagine? Handmade noodles is already very tedious. Can you imagine <laughs> handmade rice? We don't have green by green. Green by green. Exactly. Exactly. So we, we have done beta testing, but it's still not widely available mm-hmm. yet. But okay. to certain medias, we have let them try, uh, you know, and they said that it tasted like rice. Right. So that is what made me so excited. Okay. Because not only are we able to remove the issue of diabetes, but we can address food security. Mm. If I use wheat bran also, okay, which by the way is easier to manage than spend barley grains, okay, because it's dry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't spoil so quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I can make use of wheat bran, I can feed okay about seventeen to twenty five percent of the population with wheat bran noodle or rice, depending on which one. Wow. So in totality, you add spent barley grains with wheat bran. Okay. Well, the Food impact security is, is phenomenal. Yeah. A, a walk in the park. Yeah, it's so, yeah. I mean, not easy technically, but once we address everything that's a barrier right now, it becomes 
So we, because 2030 is not very far away. Exactly. It's just seven years away. And people just keep thinking 2030, oh, we'll get there, we'll get there. But Six years and three actions, months. The actions, wow, <laughs> wow. Exactly. But the actions aren't like they're, they're ready to mm. actually make it to 2030. Yeah, because goals. now a lot of the focus is on vegetables, eggs, you know, urban farming, urban farming. All, all, all this yeah, I mean, with all due respect, you can mm-hmm. farm all we like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but vegetables aren't going to be our staple. Mm. All right. Exactly. And currently, we're only hitting 4%. We do need to rethink, challenge what you're doing. But on this note, what do you think you need to get there? So for the wild noodle, is mm. <clears throat> we need to scale up. Definitely. Mm-hmm. We need to find partners, partners. Okay, who are willing to do the OEM of the noodle. Right. Because that is where you get the economies of scale. Mm-hmm. So sure. the good news is because of the attraction that we have demonstrated, now there are more interests amongst noodle company okay, to buy the pre-mix or even to OEM it for mm-hmm. us. But before that, of course, we need to scale our extraction. Yes. Right? Because mm-hmm. we don't have the protein fiber powder, there's nothing to make a wild noodle. Yeah, so that's where, where we have set up a pilot facility to do the scale up. Hopefully, to do one ton eventually. But like I say, if you want to create the biggest impact, okay, it is not in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we can impact 2030, <laughs> but yeah. the amount yeah. of spent barley grains here is very little. So the reason why people ask, why do you oh, why, why, why do you set up the extraction facility here? Singapore Actually, there is a question so also. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's very expensive. Yes, it is extremely costly. Okay, But because if I'm tackling food security, it has to be in Singapore. Mm-hmm. But the whole objective is to use this as a blueprint mm. that can be replicated mm-hmm. outside Singapore. Mm. So that countries outside Singapore, okay, who have a lot of such waste streams, they can start rethinking what they are doing and say that, hey, Singapore has done it. Yeah. Okay, we can do it. And that's where we can go there and help them, okay, okay. with the extraction, help them set up the extraction facility. And then, because we have the formula, right, then formulate functional food. And that is where I think the biggest impact will be yeah. made. On this topic of um, accessibility, right? How much mm. does a packet of wild noodle currently cost? And do you think you would want to lower the price further? Unfortunately, I've not been able to achieve my mission of expanding access to health from nature. Simply because every pack of the wild noodle is handmade mm. now. Oh, okay. That's okay. right. And we don't have the economies of scale, which is the reason why it's so important for me to scale up the protein fiber mm. of the, and so that I can sell it to noodle companies. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that WOW would always be the brand where we set the standard. So on that point, apart from food in the future, are there any other pipeline uh, products in the pipeline that uh, the protein powder can be used for? Not the protein fiber powder mm-hmm. okay but protein protein yes so that's where the biomedical application comes in because even to do biomedical application it cannot be a composite okay it okay. has we have to take a purist approach the reason I why see. for food we go for protein and fiber is because it is more cost effective mm-hmm. if you take a purist approach okay it'll mm-hmm. be very expensive okay you should refine it because yes but so- biomedical is very high value Okay, mm. so mm-hmm. that's where we extract protein isolate. So we are talking about protein content of 
higher than 80%, then it can okay. be isolated. Then we have a second technology, which is to formulate plant protein bio-ink. Oh, bio-ink. Okay. Yes. And then we have a third technology, which is a 3D printing technology to print the bio-ink into scaffolds, 3D scaffolds that can be customized okay, to the requirement of different types of cells. They have limited range of scaffolds that are out there. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what kind of growth environment they need, okay, they just grow with whatever that is what out they there. Have. But here, we can customize the printing to different shape, different size, different gradients. Okay, so as to build the environment that the cells can grow best. So what is the next wave of innovation, so to say, that would be required to enable this at scale? Application. It's very similar to what we did with agri-food. Mm-hmm. Okay, with agri-food, we have, wow, so people notice it, it's the application. For biomedical, it is the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, there needs to be something out there that people see. Mm-hmm. So currently, we are working with, uh, for example, to, to customize scaffolds for the growth of retina pigment epithelia. Okay, so that essentially we customize a scaffold, you grow the RPE, the retina pigment mm. epithelia, mm. okay, and um, they are interested in looking at whether they can create an implant. So to do an implant, I need to customize a scaffold such that it's not too thick, not too thin because mm. you are implanting to the eye, right? Wow. You can irritate the eye. And then I, <laughs> I have to customize the degradation profile, the rate in which it degrades so that it can release the RPE, okay, mm-hmm. so that it can embed to the eye cell at a certain rate. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, so Cosmode Health is not just about nutraceuticals at this point. It's, it's, it's not just about nudists. It's not just about it's, function. It's limitless, the it's, kind yeah, of applications America, that come from yes. this. So, of course, we are also looking at working with different partners, researchers, mm-hmm. if they're interested in wound patches, RPE, grow, growth of ligaments. Uh, my co-founder also have grown a piece of pork, design oh. tissue on fully edible plant-based scaffold, which we printed. Wow. Did you That's... taste it? No, not as much. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Not, but the, the paper was just published last year. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so now that we know that there are two arms to Cosmode Health, right? What is your vision for Cosmode Health in 10 years' time? Our vision is to be Asia-trusted mm. partner in the providence of extractions, valorization services, mm. and quality materials. But what will really make me very happy if when that happens is that Hopefully not 10 years, lah, before 10 before years. 10 years. <laughs> when we go to the hawker center, we can say that, oh, I want Hokkien Mee, Mee Kia, Mee Pok, or Wow. Oh. Wow. Yeah, because then it means that I'm achieving my mission of expanding access to health from nature, that it is one of the options that the price point is not like what we have now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that hurts me, but it's really nothing that I can do because really, like I say, every pack which I'm selling, I'm already losing money. Mm. Right? Oh. But I need, I need partners. I need people to produce. So I want to focus on what I can do best, which mm-hmm. is the extraction, the formulation. 
Mm. Then the people who already are manufacturing, they manufacture. Yeah, it's easy mm. to plug in once they understand the benefits, exactly. right? So enable that production and that health yes. benefits through that. Yes. And of course, for biomedical, if by 10 years we have a RPE implants mm. that is in the market, that would yeah. fly me to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was hoping. <laughs> yeah. Would you say then the barrier to get there is consumer adoption and just the knowledge? What is it that you see at this point, the biggest barrier in getting to that vision? Okay, for agri-food, the biggest barrier is food manufacturers. They mm-hmm. need to change the way to uh, in which they collect their food waste. Like you say, currently it's used as animal feed or dumped to the landfill, so they can let it stay there. Work. However, the collect is fine. But if you want to up value it to food, mm. and in our case, functional food, mm. okay, it is extremely important that it's collected in a food grade manner and every batch has to be relatively consistent for us for food is fine you don't have to be so consistent that's why food you can actually use heterogeneous food waste even uh kitchen or table waste uh blemish food you can still upcycle into food but because we are making claims right Mm. so the nutritional content the functional Mm. claims okay we are making it Therefore, the input must be homogeneous. It must be consistent. Mm -hmm. If it varies, we won't be able to make the claim. Or we can make the claim, but we won't be able to live up to it, which is not something which (laughs) (laughs) I want to happen. Yeah. Is there a process of like um, processing when you receive the food waste in order to make it consistent? Like for example, if something is already too wet, is there a process of drying it? so that all the spent barley grains will still come at that consistent level that you want? We can always tweak the parameters okay, of processing mm, it. Mm, mm. But if the batch, the input is not consistent, okay, we have to tweak the method. But mm. when we tweak the method, there's certain R&D okay, that needs to be mm, done. Mm. So, for example, spent barley grains from uh, malt extract, Malt okay. Extract. Or spent barley grains from beer brewery, or even spent barley grains from different beer brewery. Could they vary as well? Varies. And we have to tweak the way we process it. If you want to optimize the yield, optimize the purity, mm. then you need to tweak. We need to tweak. Then that's, that's where our know how comes in. Okay. Great. So I think, yeah, that's all we had for today. We've learned a lot about how food valorization is being done by Cosmo Health for human nutrition. I take a lot of comfort in the fact that if, in not in a few years, maybe in 30, 40 years, if I'm diabetic, I have staple foods to eat. So, but, but honestly, you could start eating that now. Don't right? wait. Okay, yeah, don't it's wait. Don't wait. Already. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Lawrence, for all your insights. Really excited to see what the future holds. If you guys enjoyed the episode, please follow us on whichever platform you're watching or hearing us. And do comment and let us know if there's anything you want us to include in the future episodes or what you think about this episode. And show some love to Cosmo Health. They're doing amazing work and we are rooting for you to yeah. be where your vision is in the next 5 to 10 years. So all the very best for that. Till then, uh, be imaginative. Be curious. Be innovative.